Hello and welcome to State News Sports Roundtable, Quarantine Edition, Part 4, and our final podcast of the spring semester. Today, I'm joined by Brendan Gumbel, Paolo Gianandrea, and Sarah Tidwell. How are we doing, everybody? Doing good. Excited for the last podcast. So today on the podcast, we're wrapping up our year. Um, we were originally thinking about, you know, talking about, you know, some of the stories of the year and things like that. But Gumble came up with a, a really good idea, in my opinion, talking about, you know, um, some out of the box different things. You know, talking about us as student journalists and then talking about um, our experiences, some of the things we dealt with this year. And then as well as doing some fun stuff. So we're going to do a dining hall draft, a Michigan State dining hall draft, and then a Mount Rushmore of East or Michigan State residence halls and East Lansing restaurants and bars. So I think that's going to be a really fun one. But first, we're going to talk about some of our stories of the year. So as student journalists, like we were able to work on some projects that were really, you know, we were really passionate about some of the stuff we put together. So first, we'll go ahead and start off with our favorite stories of the year. And Gumbel, I'm going to swing it to you. What were some of your favorite stories that you worked on from this year? Um, I had a couple of them. Uh, I was pretty excited to cover hockey this year. It's a sport I played my whole life up until my senior year of high school. So I was familiar with the game. And I had some connections with the team. I played hockey in high school with Tommy Apap's younger brother, Teddy. Um, so I'd, I'd already watched Tommy play in high school, and it was kind of cool to see it all come full circle and watch him excel with the Michigan State team. Um, and so I kind of, when I did my CP on the three Michigan State athletes from U of D, which is my high school too, I kind of went into how Tommy took the unconventional route to college Um Whereas, like, it's different from basketball and football, where if you're, like, elite at your sport, you don't play for your high school. Uh, when it comes to hockey, you usually play for a AAA team or a high-level travel team. Uh, but Tommy stuck with U of D and played for his high school in all four years, and it worked out for him. And he's kind of uh, in the minority when it comes to that. So it's cool that he represents what can happen, you know, if you play for your high school and uh, just work really hard. So it was, it was cool to do that. And then just picking up different tidbits from – several players throughout the year like jared rosberg uh did a story on how his dad was the um special teams coach for the baltimore ravens i think he retired just last summer but just talking with jared about how he would work out with the ravens in the off season and telling stories about how how cool it was to work out with guys like ray lewis and that uh, just talking to him is a really professional uh tone to him and he just you can tell he's going to excel with uh, the dallas stars organization he just signed with recently and another story I enjoyed that I did was on Dennis Asana and finding about, out about his path to Michigan State and how he kind of came up with Cal McCarr, who is one of the better up-and-coming defensemen in the NHL with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So just talking with him about his journey to Michigan State um, and his progression. So that's, those are my, some of my favorite ones. One thing that I know you put a lot of work into as well and it ended up turning out to be an awesome story was also your CP on Detroit Jesuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, that one was cool. Like I said, just talking or just being able to just talk about Tommy and because uh, I saw it firsthand with how because he's still every summer he runs you these summer hockey programs. So when I was there, he was running it. Um, so I've known him for a while just to kind of see uh, it. Like I said, I'll come full circle. Uh, with uh, Michigan State has been really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, the amount of work, because that was something you were working on from, like, the start of, like, when we started together, too. So, like, you know, it was cool, like, coming back full circle and, like, seeing that finally come out as well, I thought. Like, I know how hard you worked on that one. And then, Paulo, um, you obviously started out as our fall sports editor and then transitioned into our men's basketball beat reporter. You talk about some of your favorite stories from the year. Yeah, starting out, I was probably just as surprised as you guys were to see me as editor. Um, Gumble, I was very pleasantly surprised at how that turned out because I was actually, you know, overseeing that story when he first started working on it, and obviously that, you know, I got delayed. But um, as I transitioned into basketball, kind of, kind of like on a similar note that Brendan said, um, covering this Michigan State team is honestly, it was one of you know my lifelong goals and that's no exaggeration um and you can see why with some of the stuff that came out of this team this year you know there's there's a lot of inspiration you can draw not only from this team obviously any sports team you watch but i mean this is just one that is very personal to me and you you know you saw things like the stories of cassius winston obviously and you know the guys that supported him so a couple i guess a couple of my favorite stories uh one was a little more like on the funny side uh, was I don't know if many people remember this, but it was I believe the Northwestern game at home, and Julius Marble hung on the rim after dunking it, but it was clearly to avoid a player under the basket. But he got called for a technical, and I think the whole arena knew he was still about to get chewed out by Izzo, and you could see in the story I wrote about it, Mar- Marcus Bingham's face is kind of like. Yanking his, he's yanking Julius Marble's chain a little bit. He's giving him goofy faces, like, right as Izzo's just laying into him. And then he's, you know, pumping him up after, shoving him around, trying to hype him up, and the, the whole place just went nuts. So that was probably my favorite single moment from, I mean, in covering a game this year. That was really cool to watch. And talking to Marcus Bingham after, um, who Marcus, you know, gives great heartfelt quotes. He's a bit difficult to understand at times. But, uh, yeah, so he, he really pulled through for me there. Um, the other two stories I would point to are the one I wrote about Cassius Winston at the end of this year. I, I called it um, learning more in losses than wins and kind of talking about how, you know, we, were start, we started to see him, you know, turn into the player that he, you know, the, the high level that he could attain and kind of see that cut short as he was starting to go on his going out tour it was saddening to see but we also remember all the we kind of learned from him this year and finally i guess my probably my favorite one evidently now is the one i just wrote kind of personal column and i've the one good thing that's come out of this quarantine is that at the very least i've been forced to explore other types of writing outside of sports and i think that's important for all of us to do because i think we need to you know, develop those skills and we find out that we might be pretty good at it sometimes. So those are probably my favorite moments from this year. There was one that I thought that you wrote a while back that I, I laughed a lot at when you wrote it because it was really funny. It was the one you wrote about Steven Izzo picking Duke over Michigan state in the tournament. Yeah. So that was one. The, the reason I, I guess remembered that is so funny story about that actually is you know, we're at practice, and I'm about to talk to him. And Stephen Izzo, you know, he doesn't get talked to by reporters a whole lot. 
So he's like, oh, okay, what do you want to talk to me about? And I'm just like, so, you know, however many years ago, you uh, picked a bracket. He's like, he rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't think anybody would remember this. So basically that kind of stuck with me because when I was watching that broadcast of the 2013, I believe, yes, 13 uh, tournament matchup with Duke, and then um, they talked about how Tom Izzo was talking to his son, and uh, he was – Steven was asking for advice on his bracket. Should I pick Michigan State or Duke? And he told him, pick with your head, not your heart. And Steven Izzo picked Duke. And Duke honestly ended up, obviously ended up winning that game. They eventually lost to the eventual national champion, Louisville. But the point of that was that really stuck with me because in the past, growing up as you know, a Spartan myself, I would always, no matter what, I would ignore my head. I maybe knew they were a little overmatched in that matchup. I'd pick Michigan State. Kind of respected them for picking against his dad's team and I it was pretty cool that I got to eventually ask him about it one day so yeah and then the other thing I kind of wanted to ask you too Paulo you know obviously you oversaw Sarah and eyes and Gumbles and all kinds of people as a sports editor what were some of the favorite stories you saw come out of your desk during that time oh geez wow that feels like forever ago obviously I would have to say the Brennan CP um Wow, that's a tough question. Eli, you, I mean, I was always impressed with what you wrote. I can't, I forgive me for not remembering specifics right now. Try, let me let me think about this and come back to me and I'll give you, I'm going to look on the website and I'm going to give you a couple good answers. Okay, I'll swing it to Sarah then. So, what, Sarah, what were your some, some of your favorite stories from this year? Um, so, I originally started out as, you know, the staff reporter on the sports desk back in the fall. So I was only on it for two weeks, and I was pretty disappointed to, you know, be taken off of it. But it got me a chance to get some insight into what campus and city desks were like. And, you know, I was city GA from November until the end of the fall semester. So I kind of got some experience, you know, doing investigative reporting, going to the courts, going and doing cop stories, that kind of thing. But, you know, I don't really have a favorite moment from fall semester other than all of the experience that I kind of picked up from being thrown around under literally every desk. But um, coming into spring semester, I remember getting the call from Madison, and she was like, yeah, we have a spot for you on sports desk. And I was like, oh, okay, bet. Like, I'm going to be a GA. I'm going to get to do sports, which is, you know, what my minor is in. And I was pretty excited. And then, you know, sitting down with Chase, and I remember that first meeting, it was literally just me and you, Eli. And I think Mm -hmm. one other person was there. I think it was Gumbel, but I'm not for sure. But I just remember, like, sitting down, and Chase was like, all right, you know, you're gonna, you guys are going to have unofficial beats, is what he called it. And, like, getting to pick gymnastics, which is a sport that I originally did as a kid. And then after I kind of, like, quit gymnastics, I've been interested in it since. So, you know, getting to go back and watch this sport, you know, in person again was one of my favorite things to do. But um, if I had to pick three stories that I did from the semester, because, you know, being a GA, I got to also report on hockey a couple times. When Gumble couldn't, I got to report on softball, swim, like literally as many things as I could think of. But um, I think if I had to pick my favorite story from gymnastics, it would be their loss against Nebraska because it was more than, I guess, a loss. It, they ended up beating their season overall high score of 196 plus, which is something that like in the first few minutes I was talking with the coach and he was like, yeah, this is what we're shooting for, 196 to 197. And I just remember like the enthusiasm in the gym in Jenison after that meet and it just kind of has stuck with me like when people ask 
But when you're applying for, like, internships or scholarships, it's like, all right, input, like, your favorite writing clips. That's always one that I put in because it's, like, afterwards I got to talk with the coach and I got to talk with so many of the different girls and, you know, everybody's different outlooks on, you know, how the loss wasn't as bad as you'd expect was really, like, enlightening, I guess. And then another story that I really liked doing was my Q&A for Survivor's Edition with Coach Mike Rowe. Because I have, I'm the first person to report on gymnastics, I think, since, like, 2015. So this was, like, besides, like, you know, the Nassar case. But, like, in, like, a better light is what Coach Rowe called it. Um, just, like, reporting, getting to, you know, get insight on how the program has come up from the turmoil was definitely something very important that I like to get to be able to share. And then also that definitely brought me a lot closer to the head coach, Mike Rowe, which... I remember at the very end of the season, like, obviously it wasn't the very end, but before the coronavirus pandemic kind of took over and shut everything down, uh, I was talking with Coach Rowe, and he, you know, thanks me for my coverage and all that stuff, and that's, that, like, he told me he was reading all my stories, and that he appreciated me coming to their practices, me coming to their meets, um, all that kind of stuff, and that, you know, really sticks with you as a reporter, especially as a reporter who's, like, new to the world, I guess, of sports, because it was something that I hadn't really worked on before. And then if I had to pick, like, a third story, I don't have a specific one, but getting to form relationships with the girls, uh, like, I did a feature on Ella Douglas. I did a feature on um, the three freshmen that weren't injured, so Jory, Chloe, and Naya. And, I like, it was really nice to help them all open up because this was, like, their first time being interviewed, so that kind of thing. It just, it, it was a very... Um, I guess, heavy learning experience for me. And I really, you know, appreciated my time throughout the semester. Yeah, and then you talked about it as well. I mean, I was in that same position as you where we were both in the staff reporter role and we ended up both getting moved. Um, What were some of the things you learned on your time from at campus and at City that really you think helped you? Um, I definitely learned how to talk to people in, I guess, a higher position of authority because I got to talk to, like, President Stanley I got to talk to people who owned organizations around the city. I got to talk to cops, that kind of thing. So it kind of helped me realize that, like, holding people in position accountable or people in positions of power accountable is, like, a really big thing that we need to do. And then I also learned, like, how to investigate a report, that kind of thing, because it's really different from, you know, just writing gamers or features on athletes, that kind of thing. It's You have to – it takes a lot of time and detail and to make sure that you're not being um, – you're not lacking objectivity, that kind of thing, and so that you're not biased. Yeah, and then, like, one of the things that you brought up was, like, talking some of the relationships you build with the smaller-level teams, like these non-revenue schools. Um, it's I think what's cool about when you do work with those non-revenue sports is um, you really do – you can sense, like, the appreciation level from those coaches and from the people you talk to. So, like, one of the favorite sto- – one of my favorite stories that I did from this year was um, – came from wrest- the wrestling team. And uh, it, it was a really, like, normal day. It was, I mean, and it was Super Bowl Sunday, so I guess it really wasn't normal. But, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, in this, it was like a later match, and Michigan State was going against Iowa. And Iowa had the season not gotten canceled and brought to a halt. Probably would have been the national champion. They had a top ten guy in every weight class, so they're absolutely insane. So it was going to be a slaughter. And I was like, and I was with um, Sam Sklar, um, and we, him and I, were both covering wrestling. He was doing the game story, and I was going to do a feature. And 
Um, I was just looking forward to getting to Super Bowl Sunday that day. I wanted to get my story in. I wanted to go. I wanted to get it do- done and over with. And so Cameron Caffey comes in and wins his match. And he was, I believe, the only one who won the match that day. There might have been one other. Don't remember. But I think Caffey was one of the only ones to win his match. And he did so in a really um, awesome way. And more or less, when I was going into the feature, I kind of thought, like, okay, just going to, you know, highlight how he won against Iowa, how tough that was, you know, whatever. And I had to sit there and wait for about a half an hour as he was getting changed in the locker room and, like, they were getting out to talk to him and Coach Ryder Chandler. And uh, Caffey stepped out of the locker room. And as soon as he stepped out, I knew this interview was going to be different. Um, I hadn't really met too much or talked too much with Cam Caffey prior to this um, interaction between us. And he comes out and he has his backpack and a duffel bag and Triscuit crackers and his phone and his headphones and he's juggling it. And he's like halfway losing all the stuff as he's walking up to me. And it was really symbolic of who, um, what Cameron Caffrey was doing in his life. So he was somebody who had a 4.0 GPA as a junior uh, he was, he's a sophomore uh, from an athletic standpoint and a junior from an academic standpoint. And he had a 4.0 GPA as a computer engineering student. And it, it blew my mind when I was sitting there when he was telling me this. And when I started asking him questions, I asked him six questions that day. And there was 35 minutes worth of audio from him, just from him. And he just opened up and he talked to me, uh, me about everything from his him getting recruited to why he came to Michigan State, um, you know, all these different things. He really opened up, and it turned into probably, like, my bet, in my opinion, one of my favorite feature stories from the year in a place I never would have thought it would have came from. And th- that was one thing that really surprised me from this year. And, and when we got done with the interview, um, I said to Kathy, I was like, hey, I really, th- I really appreciate, you know, you talking to me and opening up. And Kathy kind of, like, turned and looked at me again, and he said, you know, I think I follow you on Twitter. And, I, and we kind of like laughed and he goes, no, I just love everything you've been doing. And then like, you know, like you said, Sarah, it's really cool to see some of those interactions um, when you have that, when they really appreciate what you're doing. And it's, it's just really, it's really awesome to see that. So Paolo, I'm going to swing it back to you. Have you yes. been looking through? So, yes, I have a couple stories, and then as you guys were kind of talking through all that, it made me realize another favorite kind of takeaway from this year. So, favorite stories, uh, former football reporter we had, Justin Frymer, always did really, really, really good work on the football team. I mean, he, I, I can't even express how much easier he made my job with how much he put out, but he did a story called Mark Antonio, the moments that molded a milestone after D'Antonio broke the school record for the most wins by any Michigan State head coach. And it was really cool that he he did a lot in preparation, talking and getting in contact with former players about like little off-the-field moments that really encapsulated why D'Antonio was as loved as he was in East Lansing. And um, other stories, like Eli, you, I, you always did good things. Like uh, one I told you I really like was best moments in MSU history. And they were just like short little blurbs. Those, those are always things that people want to read, relive those memories like that. And as you and Sarah were kind of having that discussion, and Sarah mentioned um, when, you know, she was on the desk for two weeks and then got moved around, I remember sitting down, or at least I, I believe I told Sarah, you, Eli, and as well as Evan, 
not, not Evan, Devin, when each of you guys got like shifted around for the first time, like I could see the work you guys were doing for me and I could tell, you know, you guys were obviously talented and you were going to get back. And I told, I made a point to tell each of you guys that, Hey, you keep up what you're doing and you will be back here. I have no doubt because when I, last year when I was in your guys' position, I thought, Oh shoot, they, I did not do a good enough job. They're going to ship me around to oblivion. And I don't know the first thing about investigative campus reporting. I'm not even a journalism major. What am I going to do here? And it was a huge sigh of relief when I finally got back to the sports desk and, you know, went through the whole gauntlet of non-revenue coverage. And then you, you have to work your way up. Right. But my point is it was really cool to see each of you kind of live through what I did and eventually, you know, accomplish getting back on the desk and returning to, you know, doing great work and, stuff you guys are passionate about because like especially i remember devin was the first one that i talked to you about this and just to see you know the sigh of relief and you know the mixture of sigh of relief and just joy that he was back on the desk same thing with you eli when everybody's like oh congrats eli i just saw how happy you were sarah when you moved and then eventually came back took you a bit longer but i mean we all ended up where we wanted to be so that was honestly probably my favorite thing from this year was seeing you guys overcome that and you know get better through that little challenge yeah and that when those moments that those that was something i tell you i tell you man paulo that was something i from my standpoint i know i appreciate and i'm sure sarah and devin did as well and i mean kind of transitioning off that too it's like some of the stuff that we had in the newsroom was some of the funniest and also some of the, the one of the place that we may have learned the most and I wanted to ask you guys, and we'll start with kind of Gumble too, is what were some of your favorite moments this year from being in the newsroom, whether it be like funny moments or moments you learned or whatever it may be? Gumble, we'll start with you. Um, I think a popular one was when, I forgot what day it was exactly, but I was in the newsroom getting ready, like preparing questions because I was going to player availability for hockey which is, was every Tuesday at 4.15. No, so I guess it was a Tuesday. And I remember it was like 3.30, and I was getting ready to head over there, and I hear the door slam open, and Chase comes running in, throws his backpack across the the uh, across the desk. He's like, he's like, D'Antonio's stepping down, yada, 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 and he's calling all these people and, like, running around, and, like, everyone's like, oh, what the hell's going on? And um, I was just remember how pissed I was that I couldn't like I had to go to hockey practice still and ask questions so like I couldn't really do anything with it but like just seeing how the newsroom operated under like breaking news circumstances like that um, one you you see like the panic and like the unsettling and like how like everyone just like trying to figure out what to do and then you see the end result of like all the good stuff we put out. Um, from that and so you just kind of see the process of the mayhem and what it turns into so that was one of my favorite moments for sure you ended up stealing my moment gumble you ended up stealing it and, I, and i'll add I to that, I would steal that. That, was, that was a pretty popular one. yeah it's that one the, the look in chase's eye when he came running through that door i don't think i've ever seen ever again um that was one of the funniest it was funny but also incredibly stressful at the same time and what was so funny about that was, like, that whole experience as a whole. Because, like, before that, like, Gumble and I – Gumble, do you remember turning on Valeni? Yeah, because we, we kind of – we were hearing it was going to happen, and then we knew Valeni was going to start talking about us. So I think we were listening to Valeni. 
and then Chase came running in. So like it, was, it all just happened at once. Because it, it, we were, we turned it on, and someone came over. And was like, "What are you guys listening to?" We're like, "We're listening to Mike Valeni. Daytona might retire or something." And we were like freaking out. And then Chase like somehow had somebody confirm it to him. He came bursting in, like running it, freaking out. And then like just the moments like leading up to, through that too, like. Um, it was funny because at the time it didn't sound like he was going to have a press conference. It just sounded like that was going to be it. Like he posted on Twitter and just said, yep, I'm done. And we're all like, uh, is that it? He's not going to have a press conference. He's not going to have anything. And so we're like, I guess not. And I was getting ready to head back. I was getting ready to head back home, back to my dorm room. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, he's going to have a press conference. And I remember Chase kind of like freaking out. And I was just like, Chase, do you want me to go? And I was like, do you need somebody? And he goes, yes, come with me. And, like, that entire night, like, everything from beginning to end was insane. And, like, the the newsroom that day, like, everybody from sports to campus to city to multimedia, everybody was, like, you know, some people were obviously laughing at us because we're all freaking out because we've all had those moments where everything just hits the fan. There's not much they were obviously going to do in their positions. But everyone's kind of, like, you know, laughing at us, being there for us, helping us for what whatever we needed, getting things ready. And it also didn't help. It was, like the day before print. So we also had to get in all those different things. But like you said, Gubble, that was probably one of my favorite moments from the year. So Paolo, do you have a favorite moment from this year while being in the newsroom? So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a specific moment, but I remember the first day of uh, second semester training and I kind of saw how the sports desk, how cohesive we were going to be just based on, you know, we weren't really doing a whole lot. It was kind of like, you know, everybody's just kind of like sitting through it. We were, you know, we were always joking around and like on the street, we were just taking like stupid videos of whatever. We are just, I, I could just tell from that point on that the sports desk as it became was always just like a group. Whenever we could meet for a meeting or whatever, we'd always have, you know, at least 20, 30 minutes of just good laughter and discussion after like just, there was just always a group of people I could count on just for a nice little stress relief and just not to take things so seriously. And that, that was probably my favorite part about being in the newsroom this year. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, Paula, you stole mine too. It was definitely coming in from being on city desk where we didn't really have like, I guess a bond. Like it was, it was a group chat, but we didn't talk like sports desk does and coming in and being on this desk, like having all of you guys, I guess, with me it's just I looked forward to coming into desk meetings I looked forward to being in the newsroom to like hang out with you guys to talk to you guys like I looked forward to I guess all that kind of stuff because it kind of formed like that family bond you could call it and it's something that you know I went from not having fall semester to having and you know I'm not I'm no I mean I'm not looking forward to having some of us split up next next year like Chase is leaving all that stuff and it's not a guarantee like everybody will be coming back but um, definitely this semester was having you guys on the same desk and all working together. Yeah, I would definitely agree. We definitely had a really good relationship throughout the year and it definitely grew into that second semester where in, into the second semester as we all got, we continued to get closer, especially like Paolo said, I think that desk meet or the, the, um, training thing we did there right after winter break. I thought that was a really good one. A training that we, I think everybody forgets that got delayed, like, 80 times because of <laughs> snowstorms and everything else that was going on. Um, so the other thing I was going to ask you guys too, was we've talked about stuff that we've learned. We've kind of gone through that, 
but some of the challenges that you guys had throughout the year. And uh, we'll we'll flip up the order this time. We'll we'll hit it. We'll give it back to you, Sarah. What were some of the challenges that you had this year? Um, I have to say, obviously, I don't have much experience with like gymnastics and swim and the non-revenue sports. Um, I mean, I don't really have much experience with sports in general, but um, you know, that's what my minor is. So I've always wanted to be on sports desk and you know, getting on there and having to relearn or having to learn what gymnastics was, how it worked, what swim was, how it worked, all of that kind of stuff, even softball, because I covered a couple stories on softball before the pandemic shut it down. But um, I guess having to learn the sport that I was covering while simultaneously covering it, like I'd be sitting at a gymnastics meet and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I literally don't know how the scoring works. I don't really know what these girls are doing. But I guess just like the relationships that you form after it helped with that challenge of not really knowing what was going on because the non-revenue sports coaches are way more willing to talk like about what, how the sport works, that kind of stuff. If you don't know, like you, I guess it helped me open up and learn that like, there's not a stupid question, even though like going in, it, it was just like, okay, I feel dumb because I'm reporting on this and I don't really know what's going on, but you know, literally like two or three weeks in I was like okay like I'm just gonna go to this meet I know what's going on and it just, it just got way easier from there but it took a little bit to get into the group learning the sport itself I cannot agree with you more, especially from the standpoint of wrestling. I had a little bit of background in. Um, I had a few buddies that did it. So I, and wrestling was just something that I did at least somewhat keep my eye on a little bit. So when I did cover that in the winter semester, it was definitely I, I, it was OK there. And I had to learn a little bit from that, too. There was more that I learned. But trying to learn tennis, that was very difficult. Um, the first tennis meet I went to was during that really bad ice storm that we had. And I had to go over to um, the tennis, the indoor tennis courts, which if you don't know where the indoor tennis courts are, they are over by Spartan Villages, which is like a 10, 15 minute walk from Wilson Hall off campus. So I that day I was like, well, it's crappy out. The buses aren't really running. So um, they're like really sporadic. So I am going to try to um, take an Uber. Well, an Uber was like $40. So that wasn't happening with my tight budget. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to wait for a bus. So I had to get up super early to get to get a bus taken there. And then I had no idea what was going on half the time when I was tweeting it. I had to ask other people questions and stuff like that. So, Sarah, I cannot express enough how you know much that was also a struggle for me as well. Paulo, what were some of the challenges that you had as well? So I'll give a quick one from last year because it kind of relates to what you guys are talking about. When I was a GA, obviously there were a couple times I didn't really know what was going on in the sport. I was looking up the rules and the rule books during the event, right? So one of those was field hockey, the only field hockey game I ever covered. And it was, I mean, I was desperate for quota that week, and that's what I was writing about. And I get there. And they said, oh, yeah, sorry, there's no room. There's not. There's, there's no more seats in the press box. And I think, like, really? Like, how? So I'm sitting out on the bleachers. It's, like, it's not that cold. I'm not going to make myself a victim here. But, like, it was, like, 40-ish degrees, windy. And I'm sitting through this field hockey game I know nothing about with my laptop. And I obviously didn't know anything that was going on, really. And it was a 1-1 game, like, just stalemate went into overtime so i'm just sitting out there really just dying for this to end so i can relate to you guys there 100 but as far as this year 
I would say, I guess the first game I covered um, kind of foreshadowed the issue, I, the issues I would have the rest of the year, which was Champions Classic, Madison Square Garden, right? I've been waiting like literally my whole life for this game. My first time on the basketball beat about Michigan State basketball, thinking this is going to be awesome. It's going to be, no matter what, it's going to be a great game. First time ever MSU has been number one heading into the season. So me and Justin make the 16-hour drive there, which was pretty brutal. We stopped in Pennsylvania the night before, just exhausted, stayed in not the best lodging the night before, right? So I get to the game. I say, you know what? This is going to be great. And I tell Justin, since I'm going to, you know, eventually take over as one of the beat reporters, I thought, you know what? Might as well use this shot just to start getting into the flow of it again because before that I've been editor, right? So I hadn't written anything in a while. And Justin's a machine. I mean, he could have handled what was about to happen, but I said, you know what? Let me take the game for Justin. He says, all right, all yours. So game starts. No stat broadcast working. It's down. And for those of you who don't know, stat broadcast kind of feeds you the stats of the game, keeps you up to date into the flow of the game. So when you write your game story, you have ample information at your fingertips, and you can kind of get that story out timely. And so that's not working. The stats on the screen, the Jumbotron in Madison Square Garden, like there's nothing there. Like for some reason, they're on one of the biggest events all year. Their stats are just not working online or on the physical screen. So if you guys don't remember that game, MSU was down for most of it, and they looked down and out, and they were really creeping back at the end. And I didn't know which way my game story was going, right? And you kind of have to know. So once that game, once that buzzer sounds, you click send, and that thing is out, or else it's really not relevant in the next 30-ish minutes, right? And I was kind of scram. I was just scrambling at the end, trying to find, look up, okay, Aaron Henry had this, Cassius had this. And that was just really, really, really stressful. And um, after the game, nobody, no worker, nobody knew where to direct us in terms of interviews. So I remember me and Chris Solari literally running through just the underground, like, tunnels in Madison Square Garden among a bunch of, like, forklifts and, like, trucks backing out, like, trying to find the locker room. And and I, I guess that just foreshadowed the struggle of, I kind of envisioned being on this beat for so long, and everybody told me, well, be ready because it's going to be a lot of work. And I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. It's going to be great either way. But actually trying to sit back and enjoy, like, watching the game, I think that's why we like to be sports reporters. We enjoy sports. And actually, you know, keeping up with the game flow and being able to write about it quickly while still kind of taking everything in, I think is the biggest I guess it's the biggest uh, struggle. You kind of have to toe that line. And I guess becoming, I would say come, becoming a good sports supporter is, is learning how to balance that well. Because there are, like I mentioned in a story, by some of my favorite stories, it's those atmospheric moments that really make the best stories. And when you miss those, not only do you not enjoy them to yourself, but your stories can be pretty to the point and factual. So I guess my point is, things might not always go as smoothly and it may be hard to, I guess, enjoy all aspects of what you're covering, but you kind of have to toe that line. Yeah, for sure. So what you're saying is when you were running around in the base, in the basement of Madison square garden, trying to, with Chris Solari, trying to find it, you were like Spike Lee getting denied at the front gate almost. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just not what I was expecting. I thought, okay, Champions Classic 1 versus 2 is going to be a great game, a lot of great stories coming out of this. And couldn't even write the gamer with any ease. And then, I guess, trying to find the players for questions was too much to ask, you know. So it, it just lets you know that, you know, things aren't always going to go your way. And you have to adjust and you have to, I guess, make the best of it. Gumble, what were your some, some of your biggest struggles from the year? Um, I guess the first one that comes to mind is all the hockey games were on Friday and Saturday nights. So obviously, being in college, those are the primetime nights of the week, so that wasn't ideal. Because um, usually the games would start at like 7, and then after everything was done, like the press conferences, and then usually sometimes I'd write another story after the gamer. I wasn't getting out of there till like 10, 30, 11. Um, so that was just kind of tough to deal with, but not really a huge deal. And then just going off of what Paula was saying about balancing, like actually watching the game and writing a quality story, I couldn't agree with that more. Because for hockey, once the games would end, they would put a timer on the scoreboard for 10 minutes. And once that 10 minutes was up, that's when Dan Cole would start his press conference after the game. So obviously you're expected to get the game story in as quickly as you can from when the game ends. So at the beginning, I would just, I would just like, as soon as something would happen in the game, like as soon as a goal was scored, I would start scrambling to write it. And I would just be, like, scrambling the entire game. And then when the game would end, I would, like, just, I would blank and, like, well, what just happened? Like, I was writing that entire time. Like, I missed, I, I missed, like, actually watching the game. So I developed a better routine of, like, taking notes during the game and writing important stuff down and making a more impactful story and writing during intermissions and stuff like that so I could actually watch and enjoy the game and still meet my deadline. Um, and then going off of that, like at the press conferences, it's not like basketball or football where there's a ton of people. There is really only like three or four of us at the post-game press conferences. So you're kind of expected to ask questions and not just sit there and look like an idiot. So for me, it was just about developing like insightful questions and kind of knowing the right questions to ask, regardless of whether it was a win or loss, like asking the tough questions. And that, I think, overall helped make me a better reporter. See, you never could look like an idiot at these hockey press conferences because you had Neil there. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is I want to shout out Neil Kepke, who's the uh, he's the MSU Spartans hockey writer. I think he, he was with the Lansing State Journal, too, and he actually played college hockey at Ohio State. But he's an older guy, and he's uh, I've never seen anyone more passionate or knowledgeable about college hockey. So he, he taught me a ton. So that some nights, like after the games, it was just me and him in the arena writing, and I learned a lot from him. And he would give me like tidbits on players. Like when I was asking asking him for like story ideas, he would tell me like like cool angles and stuff to take. And um, he, he's just a guy I learned a lot from. So I was really really glad to get to know him. And Neil Neil is just in general like, an awesome guy, like you said. And then on top of that, he is a very funny guy too. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he cracks his fair share of jokes. That's for sure. When he cracked a joke to me um, one time when I was when I was up there for a hockey game. Um, I think at one point, I think it was a Penn State game, and Penn State was was passing at an incredible level. Like I forget what it was at, but they're oh lord, it was at a crazy percentage. And Neil leans over to me during the thing and just says, "Man, they're passing a whole lot better than the worky ever could." And it just yes. like it was just like little things like that. Man, Neil was just great. 
Um, he, he never gets stressed out either. He like he's uh, he's got his mini iPad with his headphones. He's like, while the Michigan State <laughs> hockey game's going on, he's watching another college hockey game. He's enjoying what he's eating. Like he's just stress free, and he does he does a really good job. And I learned a lot from him. Yeah, for sure. And Eli, Eli, if I might add something real quick, Brendan brought up a good point. Uh, Brendan, I cannot relate to you more on the Friday Saturday night thing because I also you know covered the hockey beat last year. And that beat started out essentially second semester, and that's when I started pledging at my fraternity. And I pretty much missed, like, every social. Like, I thought, wow, I'm just not going out to anything social whatsoever. So that was kind of tough. I relate to you there. And also the point about not looking like an idiot because you're literally two feet away from Dan Cole, and if you have something stupid, then you can't hide from it. And if you don't ask anything, you kind of feel dumb as well. So I think that's really valuable because, like, basketball beat this year is definitely easy just to, like, let everybody ask their question. But I think it's really important to actually get your question in because I've, from what I've learned, the question you ask, it seems like you always end up using the audio or the quote from that question. It seems to be the most relevant to what you're thinking about the direction to go with your story or whatever it may be. Sometimes piggybacking isn't the best way to go, and I think definitely the hockey beat reminds you that you know you, you got to get in there and ask your question right and guys like Dan Cole too like he was really good with the media win or lose because I remember one of my concerns was like at like the first game I covered where they lost and I didn't know and you can see him like visibly upset and yelling on the bench I didn't know how he was going to be with the media literally 10 minutes later and he was very cool calm and collected and answered every question like insightfully and respectfully so that was always a relief to me is no matter what question I asked, no matter if he thought it was stupid or not, he would answer it in a very insightful and respectful way, and that made it a lot easier. And I couldn't agree more whenever I, I asked him a question one time, and it was generally, it was a, it was a fair question, but it'd be, it had a somewhat critical angle to it, like, oh, why did this happen, or what allowed you guys, or what made you guys uh, allow this many shots on goal, something to that effect. He says, why you got to ask a question like that? And I was like, oh, shoot, like, <laughs> He's pissed. But then he, like, laughed it off and just answered in, like, the folksy way he does. Like, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree with Paulo, too, about, you know, not being not going out to things that are social because covering sports are usually Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. So, it, like, you do miss out on some certain things in your college experience, but this job is definitely worth it and, you know, obviously wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's definitely a lot of work and very tiring to be in those arenas until very late at night on days that you want to be out with your friends. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Well, we're going to go ahead now and transition into our Mount Rushmore and our little draft we have going on here. So what we're going to do first is we're going to do a draft and then we're going to do a Mount Rushmore. And the first one we're going to do is a draft of the dining establishments on campus. So, outlining the guidelines here, on campus, any MSU um, dining area. So, dining halls, Sparties, Starbucks, the Panera that's in Minskoff Pavilion, whatever you may be thinking of, those, those are all up for grabs. So, I've, what I've got here is I've got one numbers 1, 2, 3, and 4. You guys are going to pick numbers... And then that's where your draft pick is going to be at. Apollo. Snake draft. Snake draft. Snake draft. Oh, oh, oh. 
So oh, this is this is tough. This is gonna be I'm tough. For this. So Paolo, since you are our editor, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the choice of your first number. Oh, I really appreciate that, Eli. And I guess since we kind of already talked about our opinions on what we might pick first or whatever, I'll take four. I'll take the I'll take the back to back slot. So you can get the four slot. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you. Sarah, pick a number, one, oh, two, or I'm three. Gonna go, I'm gonna go with two, I guess. Ooh, bold! All right, Gumble, you're gonna get the other one. Do you want one or do you want three? Give me the first overall pick. All right, so I'm gonna be jingle. I'm gonna be stuck at three. I kind of had a feeling that was gonna happen. So Gumble, uh, you get the first overall pick. Who are you going with? Well, I can tell you right now, it is not gonna be Brody. Oh. Um. <laughs> oh. Give me what I consider a hidden gem right in the middle of campus. Give me Landon Hall. Ooh. Oh, damn it, Gumball. <laughs> number one overall pick. You wow. Don't sleepers with the number one overall pick, though. Except I don't consider it a sleeper. I consider Landon a pivotal franchise cornerstone that I can build a contender around. They, they, wow. they, have, not, they have not once disappointed me when I go there, and I go there quite often. I think this See, is a... I haven't, uh, I think so this ahead, is an guys. I think this is an Anthony Bennett like pick right here. That's I think what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm saying. Nope. I, Come back well, I, haven't, I, I haven't seen any tape on Landon, meaning I have never set foot in there. So sorry to disappoint you guys. I'll have to check it out. But. All right, Sarah, you got yeah. the second pick. God, all right. Um, well, Gumble just took mine, so I'm gonna have to go with. Um. I'd say Snifi. Wow. That is, yeah, Snifi. All right. I mean, I'll give it to you. Snifi's got some good features. It's pretty great. I won't lie to you. But mm-hmm. I am in – I never thought in a million years that Brody would slide to me at three. So I'm not going to hesitate. I am taking Brody at three. I am not even that huge of a fan of – like I think Brody gets a little bit too much – claim to fame but has it has the same food at all places but you have a variety of options and it's by far the best looking and one of the best places to go on campus so i i cannot believe that was there for me paulo you you got four spot yeah eli on that note i agree with you not exactly my favorite but always has like a lot to pick from and is a lot new more new and modern so i think that's a steal right there but at the four, now I'm trying to think, and I really don't know what I would put up there. So, I guess I'm going to say Union Late Night only because when Ooh, I saw it, I'm like, damn it. I'm like, you know what? I have free swipes here, and I can just like come here late at night and get whatever food I want. Like, I'm like, how did I not discover this sooner? So, that's a really good pick. That was going to be my next pick. I was yeah, leaning that way, too. Mm-hmm. And North now you is- go ahead, Sarah. I said North Campus is a very good pick. Landon and Union Late Night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to argue against those. Nope, not at like, all. It was, it was last. It was last year. I didn't discover it uh, last year. My freshman year, I didn't discover Union Late Night till like February, and I'm like, what was I doing this whole time? <laughs> so you still discovered it before I did. I discovered it like in November or October of this year. So. I was there from the beginning. From the beginning, I had a math class there, so I went there and I used my combo. And then, as like, and then I realized there was late night when I saw it on a sign. I was like, I got to go here for late night. I was doing that like the first month of this year. 
So, man, that, that blows my mind. But, Paolo, you have the fifth pick now. So, this is going to seem like a foolish pick at this point, but I want it, and I don't want anybody else taking it. I doubt anybody else is even thinking about this. But I'm going to pick the BCC Starbucks, and mm. I'll give an explanation why. <laughs> and that is because... I, I equate it to like a, a reliable six man that I could see building a nice team around because I had, that was really my, my first meal every day of the, the day I had, I think, econ and then accounting back to back, hadn't eaten in the morning. And that was the only like thing I had for like any sort of thing to drink or eat. And I was just dying. It was like 150 or something like that. I was just like, I need something. It takes a while. That's the one. I guess detriment, it takes forever to get your order, but it's right in the business college and it couldn't have been more reliable when I literally had put a thing in my body all day up until that point. It's a fair pick, fair pick. But again, I cannot believe this one slid to me in the second round. I put together a draft board for myself here and this was listed as number two on my draft board and that's Case, Case Hall. Case Hall. Yeah, Eli, I thought about it for a second. I did. Yeah, so did I. That was going to be my second pick. And I cannot believe it was sitting there. I have Brody and Case Hall, which was one and two on my draft board. This is unbelievable. But now, Sarah, you have you are on the clock with the seventh pick. You know, I'm really surprised you didn't pick this one, Eli, but mm. I'm going to have to go with the Hubbard's Barbies. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was going to be my third pick, and I wanted it yeah, so bad, but I couldn't pass up on Case. Oh, Oh, Eli, you, you, Eli, you can't get your one, two, and three. I'm, yeah, I, I would be just elated at getting my one and two. Oh, but it, that was my place. Yeah, I lived. And that's why you take it early. and it was just like I've had I've had Hubbard's parties for two straight years now, and those chicken tenders have definitely upgraded since last year. So oh. can't you can't put those to the side. Oh my god, I'm so upset right now that that got taken away. I'm really I thought when you said that at first, I thought you were going in a different direction and then you just stole that out from under me. But it's it's fine. It's fine. Gumble, you have the eighth pick. Alright, this could not have worked out any better for me. Um people were questioning my first overall pick. I am fully behind it, and now I'm going to team Landon with the Shaw Dining Hall. Okay. That's a solid oh, one. Shoot. A lot of, you know, Shaw gets some hate, but I, freshman year, I didn't, I had Shaw for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I ate there quite a bit sophomore year as well, and let me just tell you, I, the closest dining hall I lived to was Brody, I lived in the Skyview apartment, so it was easiest for me to get to Brody, I intentionally went past Brody um, to go to Landon or Shaw, just to get away from the extreme averageness that is the Brody cap, but I'm, I'm very excited that I have Landon and Shaw on my team. Now, if I'm doing this right, Paolo is next, correct? Yeah, no. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Is this a snake draft or a, uh, a snake? Oh, yeah. G- Gumble would be next. I'm sorry. Yeah, Gumble, you're next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see here. Are we taking three or four? You're going to take four. Four, okay. Um, give me Acres. Damn. Damn. Oof. Acres. I lived in Holmes my freshman year. Easy walk right across the street. Um, it got the job done most of the time, so I'll take Acres. Sarah, you are back on the clock. Um, Jesus, all of the good ones are definitely gone. I'm going to have to go with 
I'd say Wilson Hall late <sighs> night just because of the pasta bar, but that's like strictly it. I literally only went for the pasta bar. Again, another one just stolen out from under me. That was another one I was getting ready to take that is very passionate to me, very close to me. But this is where we're at. So now I'm stuck with 11, and now i got to think about this. I'm stuck between two, and I think I'm going to have to go with my gut, and it's going to be a popular pick of mine, MSU Dairy Store. I'm I'm running with it. I'm running with it. And, I mean, obviously best ice cream on campus. I already have two really good dining halls. I could go with another dining hall, but I'm going to move on. So, Paolo, you get to finish up your draft with 12 and 13. All right. So, with this pick, I'm going to go um, I'm going to go with Brody Sparties, and I'll say that because I only really I only went there like two to three times, right? But it was one night that I remember. Let's just say like it was it was a rough night out. I was not <laughs> feeling great late into that night. I really like did not I, I, I kind of forgot I was at Brody, to be honest. I'm not just trying to exaggerate. Like, and my one friend's like, hey, you want to go to the Sparties? And I've never been to the Sparties there. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, I need food. Like, I'm in bad shape. And I went, and we were just sitting, like, like on the steps after we got, like, the chicken tenders order. And chicken tenders never tasted so good in my life. So I'm going to go with the emotional attachment there and go with that. Okay. So now you got one more. I honestly totally forgot about Shaw with my second pick. I'm really disappointed in myself. I don't know what's even left at this point. I don't want to give up my draft board. I can't do it. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, let me think for one sec because I honestly don't know. You know what? I'm just going to say McDonald's parties. That's where I lived. I hit that probably however many times. I, how many however many days I spent in the dorm. It's, it was not the greatest parties, but it was reliable. So... So now I am back on the clock to finish my draft, and I am excited, and I think this is a end-round steal here, and that is the 1855 place Sparty's Grill. So that place... I've never, I've never been there. I've heard it's good, though. That place has a different style. They have a bunch of different um, sandwiches, stuff like that. Really awesome one. Gets whatever you want on that stuff. 1855 is a hidden, well, not really a hidden gem, but it's a gem on campus, my opinion. And I got to take it, and I love my team with this. But now, Sarah, you get to finish up your draft. Um, I probably have to go with the Wells Hall Starbucks just because every time I was sick the last two years, that's where I would go and get tea. So it's kind of in my backbone. Have to go with that one. Okay. Gumble, you get to finish the draft with Mr. Irrelevant. Um, there's slim pickings here. Uh, I was thinking about taking Holmes Dine Hall, but oh, God. I can't justify a lot. So, I don't even know. I heard this got modified, so I don't even know what it looks like now, but I'm going to take Owen Hall. Dang. They had, I remember when I went there a couple times my freshman year, they had a good setup. But I heard it got switched around, so I don't know what it's like now. But I'm going to go 2018 Owen Hall. Yeah, Owen Hall, just for clarification. So um, they turned that into a allergen-friend dining hall now. So that is like um, – that was a place – so my girlfriend has like a severe peanut tree nut allergy. So I actually ended up taking it there. And I have to agree, it's actually still pretty good for what it is. 
Um, so Gumble, that's a really good pick. Yeah, I recommend that chicken tenders if you haven't been there yet. Their chicken tenders now are like they're gluten free, but with barbecue sauce, they're amazing. It's a pretty good last pick for me. Gumble, I was about to say right after I made my pick, I totally forgot about Owen. I was about to butt in and be like, you know what, I'm gonna change that to Owen, but I thought that would be unfair because I thought somebody might pick it. I went there a lot last year because I discovered that wow, you can use your combo at this place, and it was a lot better than just getting like chips and like chocolate milk. So. Yeah, that's well, we have some great things going on here. We got some great things. So I ended up with Brody Case MSU Dairy Store, 1855 Sparties. And then Gumble, you ended up with Landon, Shaw, Acres, Owen. Paolo, you had Union Late Night, um, Business College Starbucks, and then Brody Sparties and McDonald's Sparties. Sarah, you had Snifi, Wilson, and then you had Wells Hall, um, Starbucks, and what was your... Oh, shoot. I'm missing... Hubbard Sparties. Hubbard Sparties. That was the other one. Yes. Great list. Got to give it to you. I'm going to be honest, Eli, I think you won the draft, in my opinion. No way. I, no, I, I'm going to have to go with Gumble on this one. Gumble definitely picked all of the ones that were on my list. I mean, I can't speak on Landon, but yeah. Three years. Go to Landon and you'll change your mind, trust me. Yeah, I, I can't speak on it. So from, from my knowledge, Gump, or, uh, Eli won the draft, but I, I, I do not have enough tape on your uh, on your, your scouting report. You have to do some better pre-draft preparation. <laughs> I do, I do. So we're going to do a Mount Rushmore of East Lansing restaurants and bars. Paolo, we'll start with you again. What is your Mount Rushmore? All right, I'll go with a lot of people dog on its quality, which I guess is valid. It has diminished in recent years, but LS, uh, full name LS Taco, uh, mm. went there pretty much every time before I went to a MSU basketball game growing up. So it's just it's got a little bit of a nostalgia for me. But that's that's one. Um, I'm gonna go with five guys just because i went there so much um i'm going to go with i guess let's shift to bars uh gumble's gonna pose me on this i'm gonna go with the ricks even though it's dirty even though it's uh, gross i'm just gonna it's a it's the east Lansing staple and stuff stuff goes down in ricks i don't know and it, and believe me, it is. But like, if you're going, if you're going to the college bar scene, like, Rick's is the epitome. <laughs> and finally, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one. But I'm gonna say Blaze just because I hit it so much after work. Mm. Love to hear so, it. Yeah. Love to hear the Blaze reference. Sarah, you go ahead. Name your Mount Rushmore. Okay question with this can i pick the same like something that paul already said yep 100 percent. okay rick so rick <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the first one i'm gonna have to go with rick just because mm, let's go entire fall semester and the only time i went to harper's i got thrown out so i i'm definitely gonna have to pick rick's on that one even though it is greasy it's a lot of fun and then it's a lot more fun yeah and then i'm gonna have to go second um it's kind of i don't know if any of you have ever been there but bell's pizza down mm-hmm. by, um, I think it's the new Five Thigh House down Grand River a little ways. 
Um, that place just has a lot of memories for me because freshman year, that was where we would get pizza after a long night out or walking back to East Campus. Um, third, I'm going to have to go with Noodles & Co., which is one of my favorite places just because pasta is my favorite food, so they've never let me down. Mm. And then can't, the fourth one, I'm not sure. Probably Leo's Coney Island. It's just like it's a very good party food, I guess, during tailgate season when you're out and about quick. It's easy. It's cheap. And it's pretty good. So, those are my four. That's fair. Gumble, you're, you're going to go third. Um, I don't know how you leave Harper's off your mountain right mm. I'm going to put that Harper's on is just again. boring. It's the I most sophisticated, you, out, clean so. version of Rick's. It's just boring. Yeah, it's boring. Okay. Well, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy my time there. <laughs> um, I will also go with Pita Pit. Some of the best sandwiches I've ever had come from Pita Pit. Ah. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Give me Cottage Inn pizza. Nothing better than Cottage Inn on 2 a.m. on the weekends to wrap up your night. And then I guess I will take Chipotle. Can't go wrong with Chipotle right on Grand River. And I have it quite a bit, so I'll go with Chipotle. The amount of times you walked into the newsroom with Jersey Mike's this year and you don't even put it on your Mount Rushmore. So, to start, 100%, no doubt about it, Blaze Pizza. As as people in the newsroom know, that was a four-time, like, not four-time, one time it was four times in a week I hit Blaze Pizza. I don't know how you don't weigh 400 pounds. (laughs) I love Blaze it's got to be on there for me. It's amazing. It's a great place. Um, number two, shout out Chase Michelson. Harper's has got to be on there. East Lansing legend. You can't leave it off your list. Um, number three, so this is where it gets tough for me. I very much agree with Sarah's Noodles and Company. So I'm going to have to also say Noodles and Co. I went there a lot. Never let me down. Love pasta. Got to take noodles on there. Plus, my brother and sister, when they were in college, they worked at Noodles. So I got to pick Noodles & Co. <sighs> Fourth one, this is where it gets tough. Um, I'm debating between Cottage Inn and Taco Bell on Grand River. And See, That's a part of Grand River I just never touched. I got to pick Taco Bell on Grand River. Spent a lot of time in that Taco Bell. Um, I think three or four times over the school year, I took out a 12-pack of Doritos Locos Tacos. So that with, a, that with a Baja Blast, you can't beat it. I got to go with that. So is there anything else you guys want to add to our Mount Rushmore or to your dining establishments on campus before we wrap up here? No, I, I'm just going to leave with my statement that Brody's overrated, and I'll take that to the grave. I just can't believe it fell to me at three. I cannot believe it. I, I, f- I feel like my draft was perfect in every shape and form. But we're going to leave it at that. So I want to thank everybody over the last few months for, of this for tuning in. I want to thank Paolo, Brendan, and Sarah all for coming on today. Um, we'll see what the future looks like going into the summer and the next year, what we're planning on doing. And again, I want to thank you guys for coming on today.